Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast, where we plan everything in meticulous detail. Uh, how's it going, JD? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're busy and working. What's what's happening? Oh, you know, um, we uh, are going into uh, yet another basic shutdown because of uh, the COVID. And so a couple of my restaurant clients are... Uh, uh, panicking for their online ordering, so we're we're getting things squared away that way, and uh, <laughs> making sure that that they can get their online orders and fulfill them, and do contactless delivery and all of that fun stuff. So uh, nothing like a, a pandemic to keep you busy with the oddest of, of requests. Well, normally I'd let my modest, cute smugness, you know, just drip all over the uh, the microphone here, but uh, yeah, we're having a, a, a huge uh, lockdown here too. Apparently, um, word is out that parties are awesome and super spreader events are the thing to do. But uh, yeah, we've had a huge spike in cases here. So the Canadian Thanksgiving kind of kind of showed what what we might expect uh, here in the United States uh, with our Thanksgiving, which comes up this week, in fact. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. So everything's getting uh, super locked down. Uh, people were criticizing the public health officer for being kind and recommending masks, but not ordering them. Um, and, you know, it's easy yeah. to criticize people who make decisions because, you know, that's just fun. But uh, so today she's like, okay, yeah, they're required. If you're in an indoor space, it's 100% required, you know. Yeah. So, you know, everybody who wanted to be ordered to do <laughs> to do something that she was asking everyone politely to do, is, it's now in order. So, yeah, okay, good, you know. I mean... Hey, we we uh, fired our health uh, director in the middle of a pandemic, so you know it, it's all good. Oh, good times, good times. Yeah, yeah, don't 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 trust science. Trust politicians. Nice. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk. No, about. what we're here to talk about is that uh, every world is actually this week uh, as well. Uh, I I hear there's this guy Matt X who's given a presentation. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think you'd be proud of me. I finished my talk. Yay. You know, and sometimes they say good is the enemy of perfect. That's my mantra right there. I, you know, I'm just. I think just perfect is the enemy of good. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I never hit perfect before. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I did, I did uh, try, uh, you know, do a recording a talk is a lot more difficult than doing it live because live you can do a little bit of improv perhaps after preparing your talk. But yes, I recorded it and took a few runs at it. And it only got a little bit better each time. Um, and I think the first time I did a run through my talk, it was 15 minutes. And they say for every world to aim for 20 and maximum 30 minutes. So I thought that wasn't enough. And so then I added more slides and more examples of things. And then it was like th almost 30 minutes. And I was like, ah, and then I saw on their discord that that I mean, thirty is the max, you know, and but you probably should, you know, be closer to twenty. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> I uh, got one of my uh, clients who's a Final Cut editor to uh, just hack on my presentation <laughs> and just cut out a few like examples. I had some really cool examples. I really want to talk about Jupiter Labs, Jupiter Notebooks, and and a few other things to give examples. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, 20 minutes is not a lot of time. But yeah, I think it, it definitely the the more I worked on the presentation, you know, it, the, the better it got. Like, and, uh, you know, with this presentation, it was based on the uh, Emily Freeman's DevOps for Dummies, and we'd done the book club. So I was basically listening nonstop to our podcast and the book club episodes, just thinking, listen, re-listening to all the conversations we had about the book. And it really helped me remind me, of, oh, yeah, that was an important concept, you know, and I can't go over the entire book in 20 minutes, but I wanted to try and hit a few, you know, the, the good, good ideas. So I really appreciate the book club for that, for helping me. Uh, Will we have to play your your talk back at half speed so that we can understand everything you've crammed into it? Uh, <laughs> I think I did a, a, an okay job. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I mean, my keynote deck is 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 just a, a simple deck, and then I was talking. Uh, and uh, as my uh, editor, a friend, <laughs> when he was helping me <clears throat> edit it, he was like, "Well, if we had more time, we could make this look better." But uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know. I, uh, there's a couple of neat little things in there. Uh, my both of my daughters helped pitch in. Uh, Josie reviewed my talk and said it was very boring, but uh, so she would add more uh, transitions. And then uh, Gabby helped draw a cool DevOps uh, lifecycle for Mac DevOps for me. I basically took the DevOps lifecycle, that sort of like continuous uh, figure eight spiral, and made it into a Mac DevOps. Um, so that that was good. Um, good fun and she helped draw that for me so but it was it's fun to give a talk i mean trying to take an idea like devops or mac devops or and then put it into a talk it's not a simple task so i give it to give myself that task as a as a, as a challenge and uh yeah i think it's a, i think it's worth listening to uh it's a good talk and i hope uh to get feedback from everyone about what they thought about it because especially taking our mac devops like monkey workflow or dep mdm and then putting it on the devops software delivery deployment lifecycle is was an interesting challenge and yeah i bet yeah well it's good that you got a little child labor out of that so yeah good, yeah good for you so well you know my my, my kids uh, are helpful and uh, give me good advice like this is boring dad you know so it's like <laughs> <laughs> let's make this a little more exciting but uh all the anvil I don't think I've ever used transitions in my keynotes, which goes to show you how exciting of a keynote presenter I can be. Uh, you know, I'd, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely an anvil transition in there. There's a bunch of effects, and um, I tried to use every single one of the effects in my keynote presentation. So I uh, hope you enjoy. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> and it's it's all in Comic Sans as well, right? Just, Papyrus, you know, no, no, Papyrus. <laughs> yeah. just just drill that home. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't understand what we're talking about, then then you have not experienced some of the horrible presentations <laughs> that we've sat through in the past. Yeah, and I just caught like a little sketch from uh, uh, on YouTube of Saturday Night Live where Ryan Gosling on Saturday Night Live, they, he's basically obsessed with Avatar and how they screwed up the whole movie because they used the papyrus font. And it's a great <laughs> sketch. It's, like a, it's, it's a concept. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Excited to see the presentation and, and every world as a whole, which starts today, tomorrow. It's Wednesday. When When is Wednesday in, in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> so, but it runs uh, the 25th through the 27th uh, here this week. Yeah. In, in Australia. So uh, very, very cool. And I, AUC.edu.au. <laughs> And we'll put a link in the in the show notes as well. I guess I was sitting in a presentation uh, 
uh, from Apple today because it's been uh, it was Final Cut Creative Summit uh, week, and usually that uh, means a trip to Cupertino to go hang out with a bunch of editors and go visit Apple and deal with uh, uh, all the new stuff in Final Cut. And uh, so they recently released a, an update to Final Cut that's a universal binary for uh, ARM, uh, Apple Silicon, and Intel. Um, <clears throat> so they were showing all these cool demos of uh, running on MacBook Airs, like showing like 6K Red stuff and MacBook Pros and. They're even using iCloud, which is even more impressive because they built a whole new proxy workflow in Final Cut, which is a proxy is a smaller version of uh, your files. And so it's really easy to make proxies and move proxies and then exchange files back and forth. And while I use a program called PostLab to do the automation of uh, checking in and checking out uh, with its its use of Git in the background, um, they, Apple was showing an example where they had an editor starting an edit and then putting uh, the library in iCloud and hey, maybe at Apple, they have a really fast pipe to their own cloud, <laughs> but it went <laughs> super fast. And then the other editor on the other section of Apple Park basically loaded it up and continued the project, did some edits. And he was doing like 3D work in motion because uh, motion can handle 3D objects now. Um, like you can import and he went to the NASA website, grabbed a bunch of 3D models of the space station and put them in there. And, um, and just, I mean, it's part of what I do with my clients is like, you know, working on remote uh, and collaborative workflows. So you basically can have somebody start something, somebody uh, pick up the project, you know, do the color correction or do graphics or motion or, so it was really neat. And yeah, it looks so fast on the Apple Silicon <laughs> Macs and stuff. And uh, I know people are uh, running some impressive, impressive benchmarks. Some of them are just ridiculous. Ridiculous is in so silly as in, hey, I plugged in a monitor and it uh, doesn't flicker for even a second. It just works. And just I guess works, that's impressive yeah. because Intel and the graphics drivers before were just terrible. But yeah, um, I mean, that was probably an important change. Uh, the, um, uh, a lot of Apple engineers uh, sort of stick their head out on Twitter and then go back and hide. But yeah, some guys like, yeah, it's my team and my driver team. We worked really hard. And so there's a lot of engineers working on every part of you know Mac OS hardware, software, and uh, an impressive feat. And uh, yeah, the benchmarks are just insane. Uh, whether yeah. it's Final Cut or Safari, uh, you know, it's like, have you seen anything about that, uh, JD? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like just about across the board, it's a it's a 50% improvement uh, on, on speed. And that's that's coming out of like the low end, right? The, the MacBook Airs, yeah. uh, you know, and the the which don't have a fan, literally are basically uh, an iPad Pro with a keyboard and, and display, you know, built in. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. I'm a little disappointed that uh, the Mac Mini uh, just is a huge empty aluminum shell with this tiny little iPad board basically uh, in inside of it. But uh, and we've lost more ports, but. You know. Yeah, no, no, ten gig Ethernet. I'm just starting to get used yeah. to having ten gig because I mean, for coming from XN and Fiber Channel and that kind of storage world to now, everybody's using ten gig Ethernet on you know Synology or QNAP, um, all the way up to like Jellyfishes or like large storage. So having ten gig uh, Ethernet in iMac Pros and Mac Minis has been super, super helpful for my editors and for anybody who moves needs to move data. I wonder if we'll we'll see that uh, with the USB C. Or, you know, and and you, because those actually ship with uh, Thunderbolt three and and USB C or USB USB four. four right? Yeah, it's which, it's a confusing mess. But <laughs> the USB four standard has been given the the you know the patents to, of uh, or the technology of Thunderbolt three. So 
um, that was the way to uh, get Thunderbolt into a USB device, which I was wondering how they were going to do this transition and keep Thunderbolt. Right. But having Thunderbolt wrapped in, so they officially, they, all these Macs have USB 4, which just happens to have Thunderbolt as part of the protocol and USB-C as the, as right. the connector. So, um, yeah, the limitations are only one monitor. I mean, some of my video editors, they love two or more monitors. They'll have two monitors and a TV, uh, you know, for display out or color correction. Um, I personally, you know, uh, one one iMac screen would be good enough. Uh, if you have a 13-inch laptop, then I can see another display uh, working. With the, with those ultra wide, I guess you could have you could have two ultra wide monitors side by side. I think I wonder if that would run. I don't know. No, I think uh, I think only the Mac Mini can have two displays because it has HDMI, so it can have a TV and a display, an Apple display, which some people were yeah. commenting. You know, the Mac Mini is a grand and the display is six grand, or you know, it's like. <laughs> well, yeah, that that yeah, the 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 setups that they have, I think, uh, for the Apple stores that are open is is this little you know, $1,000 uh, Mac mini sitting under a $6,000 uh, Apple, Apple yeah. display. So, but I mean, once a year when, when new OS has come out and big Sur was just announced uh, with uh, this new hardware um, and officially released, uh, I always like to be a year behind in OSs and one, uh, you know, the re I just updated all my clients that were on 1014 Mojave to 1015 Catalina uh, with a few exceptions, but mostly 1015. And uh, one of the reasons was because Big Sur was coming out and I wanted to be on just the one behind it. But also they've been doing with the last few years with this Final Cut Summit, they've been releasing a new version of Final Cut. And then it always says latest OS, which is like brand new, just released. Right, and then right. the one before it. So, yeah, and they, they added a bunch of new fixes. I mean, there's not a huge number of new features in 10.5, but it, I mean, they did this humongous engineering effort to make it a universal binary. So, um, so kudos to them. And I know a lot of my clients that are using Final Cut want to go right straight away to 10.5, uh, the new version, because, yeah, it's... It's just making uh, every, their lives a little bit better um, with proxy yeah. workflows, and yeah, that's uh, and, and a lot I of that it, you were doing with just PostLab before, right? So yeah, well, we we're we were using PostLab, but just the the we had to go through a lot more steps to take the original camera footage, rewrap it, and then convert it externally, and then trick Final Cut into thinking that was the new thing, and then you'd have to like swap it out again and relink it to something else and so that was that was prone to breakage and um and and not clean now it's like uh apple final cut understand can make proxies plus it can relink to proxies very quickly and so we still use postlab just to exchange the library but making the tiny proxies is and relinking to them is built into final cut and it's so much easier now so you don't have to trick it um and uh yeah no it's 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 fantastic um i'm Looking forward to uh, getting some Apple Silicon to try it. I'm just deciding: do I want? <laughs> can I get some before Christmas and try? Right, yeah. and try. Them? I mean, I think the pros are waiting for iMacs with bigger screen or a, a smaller Mac Pro tower, or you know, but definitely something with a bigger screen. So yeah, I I've uh, been tossing up the idea of uh, moving to a MacBook Air. Granted, I I still run a, a 2012 MacBook Pro because it has all of the ports. Um, mm -hmm. no dongles are required to operate this, this lovely computer. Um, and storage is much, much cheaper. Uh, it was a yes. little, little, little disappointed to, uh, to see the, the pricing on Ram and, uh, our memory and, and seeing that we can't go to 32 gigs for that. And although I, some of the reports I've seen say that, you know, the, that, uh, because it uses memory so much more efficiently that unless you're using 
it for very large files. There really is no need for the the higher amounts of RAM. Um, I am curious to see what the actual like virtual swap looks like, right? For for that, how much is it just relying on very fast storage to uh, to swap out memory uh, constantly, which just burns holes in in your solid state storage yeah i'm i'm kind of addicted to these samsung t5s and the new samsung t7s i mean ever since i saw i justine at the final cut summit and i didn't know who she was uh you know just some youtuber but she uses final (laughs) cut and she had these like uh it was either the samsung t5s or some other very very small drives like the similar ones and she basically just had them velcro to her top case of her laptop so that she would have extra storage you know um and so I'm, I've never been a big fan of huge internal storage in any Mac because as a backup archive person, the more storage you have, the more you should have doubled or tripled. <laughs> so yeah, 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 no, you're, you're not wrong. And especially since Apple has made it so much harder uh, and more difficult to, to extract the data that's on, on that computer. If it goes sideways, right. If you uh, yeah. happen to, to dump the, uh, the computer in the pool or, or if you're ever flying again, uh, I mean, I had at times and somebody yeah. dumps a drink on your laptop, you're you're kind of stuck. I mean, one advantage of using these T5s and T7s for transport drives or time machine drives, even, and you know, I, I, I set them up as encrypted time machine drives for clients with the right size, because like I had one client with a really old iMac and then a really old USB time machine drive, and yeah, he had a time machine backup and backblaze, but restoring from that very 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 slow. <laughs> USB drive like almost didn't quite take as long as getting a drive back from Backblaze, but getting close. <laughs> so um, yeah, sure, well, you get a cheap fill- USB drive, but yeah, that that's the problem is you're uh, you're filling up the uh, the swimming pool a teaspoon at a time, and then you're wanting to uh, to drain the pool, but the pool doesn't actually have a drain. Yeah, so I mean, Thunderbolt's been awesome in Fiber Channel. Those are just super fast, but USB right. uh, has 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 gotten good enough <laughs> if, if mm-hmm. thunderbolt and fiber channel are like near perfect in like insane blazing speeds uh usb has gotten so good and so good enough even at a quarter of the speed um that you know it's just it's so f- and plus if you have usb 3 or usb 4 uh you know in front of a, an ssd or nvram drive then you're laughing the data is just moving right. so fast yeah it's just <laughs> it's it's almost instantaneous so yeah yeah, that's 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 pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'll have to 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 look at that. I, I may may go into a basically an entry level computer and and save save a whole bunch of money by buying two terabyte uh, externals. <laughs> I think they so. Are, like, they're literally the price of of just stepping up to the five twelve model. I, I would get the minimum, you know, on the yeah. MacBook Air or MacBook Pro, and then just get like a Samsung, you know, or a T5 or T7 or some other right. USB 3 minimum drive, because um, that is so fast. <laughs> but I guess you could use th- Thunderbolt now too, yeah. Because, but yeah, USB 3 drives would just be so affordable um, <laughs> for the large yeah. size. <laughs> yeah, comparatively. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's. I know I, I keep stumbling, and and uh, a few other folks that I that I uh, work with uh, keep stumbling on Apple's new naming because it's not macOS 10; it's macOS 11. Uh, and 11.1 just came into to beta here, uh, and it's it's really tough to actually like change what 15 years of saying macOS 10 to to actually say 11 macOS 11. It's confusing because everyone's been calling it macOS X, you know, and so 11 and X doesn't make sense, but... uh... 
You just made you just made half the Mac admins out of skin crawl out there. Well, well that's why, yeah, the, the version doesn't make sense to people because <laughs> they never thought it was a number. You know? Right. <laughs> it was just like, uh, but yeah, and, and uh, Greg uh, uh, has had um, there's been many presentations by several people about like how to rewrite your scripts. Uh, I think Armin and Greg and others have because people are expecting minor or major versions, I guess, uh, of OS 10 and. Um, now they're the numbers are totally different. So if you're scripting and looking for OS versions, then you got to be careful too, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, almost to the point where where folks are now looking for build numbers uh, over uh, anything else because those are those at least are constantly going up uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, looking yeah, for breadcrumbs, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't played with Big Sur uh, too much. Um, here I just finally upgraded uh, my my testing platform, which is a, a 27 inch iMac to uh, to 10.15, so that I could then run uh, Parallels on top of that, which will allow me to run Big Sur in in a VM. Uh, and that's a, as far as I've gotten with with my Big Sur testing so far. But uh, uh, the interface on it looks uh, uh, very touchable, almost as if like. The laptops that Apple's shipping should also include a touch screen. Definitely made me think that you know, besides uh, shipping some low-end laptops or low-end machines to start with, um, that they were going to introduce some kind of touchable uh, interface, kind of like a, a Surface laptop. Or, uh, um, but uh, I think Apple's come out many times, and you know, and shouldn't always take them at their word because <laughs> they'll deny something <laughs> until it becomes then true uh, but uh, they've all come out and said nope there's never an intention to make touchable screens or touchable interface but it definitely gives that kind of impression so maybe it's more of a inspired by uh, the iOS but not a inspired you know. by iPad OS mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting virtualization possibilities uh, there that you might actually be able to virtualize iPad OS. Uh, on a Mac laptop, and which supports mouse, has mouse and trackpad support, right? So, um, I mean, especially for developers, that that could be an interesting uh, take for testing to to be able to virtualize iPad OS uh, right on right on the same hardware that it would be running on otherwise, right? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of uh, the changes that coming with Big Sur, there was uh, some legal changes uh, in the user agreement. And I know uh, Brian Stuckey from Mac Stadium uh, was proclaiming it to be a super happy day because they specified almost, you know, almost mentioning Mac Stadium specifically, but not, you know, um, about their business model and um, saying that, yeah, you could rent a Mac, a virtualized Mac for periods of 24 hours. and uh, they, you know, uh, Amazon and other companies are renting their services per minute or per hour or per day. Right. I know Mac Stadium was saying that they were going with a default of 30 days because it wasn't clear before what what would be legal or not. And now it's very specifically written. He's like, you could, you know, if 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 someone agrees to control the the whole Mac, the heart of the hardware, they can, you know, and agree to these user licenses, um, then they can have it for 24 hours. And so it specifies a time block. So that's great for someone like Mac Stadium that's virtualizing with their version of Kubernetes, uh, Orca, and, um, you know, they're, they're, it's a great business model for them. So to be sure. yeah. more I, clear. I, I know I've seen uh, other takes where you literally need only need time slices. Uh, to get things done that 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 
that isn't possible with this new licensing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out here in the next next couple of months. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. For I know Eric um, Gomez was mentioning about how mm-hmm. this could uh, put some a damper on uh, their CI/CD uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Uh, sort of uh, workflows and I mean it was just never specified before that it was even really legal to even do that to any of that you know so right I think you know for the for large companies I don't think renting uh, the services of a Mac for 24 hours is is, is going to kill them so um, I mean it gives it gives a framework at least um, to enable these workflows it might not be the preferred one for everybody but um you know it's kind of like doing laundry you just save it all up <laughs> and, and rent it all just for 24 hours and do it all well we just convinced one of these uh, big pocketed enterprises to uh run all the auto package recipes in their ci cd workflow and and you know test them all for us and then we can uh you know use them and we don't have to run our own perfect uh, see we- problem solved which leads me to a g- great segue that I finally got uh, to turn uh, the monkey uh, integration on in my my uh, actual client's uh, simple MDM account today because I was using a test version before. And um, I was really hoping that we could have our own monkey and simple MDM monkey. Uh, and uh, Taylor was like, no, you're definitely not going to be able to do that. But yeah, you can do that. Oh, so wow. literally, really? I have cert- a group and just saying you uh, are in the simple MDM monkey group and then you are using the internal monkey that's, you know, uh, connected wherever it's normally connected. So that opens up a lot of great possibilities while you're transitioning over. Of course, I've had fun testing, removing a previous configuration and, and putting the simple MDM one in. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, having to remember how did I install a monkey on these laptops? Of course, I know that. I'm the one who did it. Um, <laughs> how does monkey work again? Where is it storing files? And yes, you know, monkey stores the files in library uh, preferences. And of course, uh, you have the option of putting them in var root, uh, which uh, I had some in both, uh, which is what happens um, because I was doing the additional uh, HTTP headers for the basic auth on one of my repos. So. Uh, yeah, I'm still streamlining the workflow, the onboarding workflow to remove the old profile and 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 put in the one. But yeah, I was able to to do some testing, and uh, yeah, it was great. It's like go from internal monkey to simple MDM monkey, and I'm like, whoa, security story is all handled by simple MDM, and they also have a shared apps pool of apps that are just just the beginning of that service. But yeah, you can use your own monkey repo with auto package. And I really like the fact that you can have both your own monkey in there. So uh, yeah, kudos to Simple MDM and their team of engineers for making that happen. Yeah, that's really awesome. A couple of years ago, I had a felt like exception project where I had monkey update itself to use a new monkey server and setup. So it was like very inceptionist. Yeah, and I, I was contemplating doing that, and of course, I you know, and I was like, oh, I think the only way to update Monkey and to make it do something is to you know, I'll just tell Monkey to do it. But yeah, you have to get it right because you get yeah, one you chance have to get it right. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, nothing is checking in, and then yeah. then then you're well. Back, this is still a net bootable uh, client, so <laughs> then you're just running around hoping you still have the old image and net booting everything back to uh, what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, at least I have simple MDM as well. So if I screw up the monkey part, I can right. I can push out packages and configurations and profiles with mo- uh, simple MDM as well. So um, it gives you two chances to get it right, right. which is yes. not enough chances sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like uh, being in space on a spacewalk. You always want two tethers on on the station at all times, right? 
<laughs> so Definitely. don't float away. Don't want to. Don't want to lose your connection. Well, and I guess there was a, a you know, speaking of space, it was a, a rocket launch. Uh, private industry has uh, launched into space and delivered astronauts to the space station. So yeah, it's congratulations good. to Space Karen and um, all these space <laughs> astronauts. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, no, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I'm not, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, space geeks uh, in our audience here and, and being able to see what, what felt like uh, was just something that we saw in cartoons growing up uh, of uh, rockets launching people and, and the rockets coming back and landing. And I know the space lab, uh, which is based out of New Zealand is, is working on retrieving their, their rockets as well now. Uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of cool and kind of magical to to see uh, just the advances and uh, they, uh, that that capsule with uh, touchscreens. Oh, hey, look, an interface that uses touch and is the primary control for an entire spacecraft. That's an interesting concept. Congratulations to all the teams that uh, sent people into space. Uh, like in DevOps, like in media production, when you have a group of people on a shared goal, um, you want to work together and everybody is motivated to get to that goal. And when the goal is ensuring the lives of people uh, are safe and staying safe, is we applaud them for uh, for uh, getting that done because, yeah, we want the goal is to get safe people into space and bring them back. So yep. that's, that's our goal is to get packages safely deployed. Uh, and not have our our clients come back to us because something's wrong. Exactly. Yeah, doing remote uh, troubleshooting for remote teams uh, is 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 it's a, it's a challenge and a half. And I've been using uh, uh, time to orbit, time in orbit. Uh, Malin and her uh, her her co uh, co conspirators. Uh, time tracking tool to try and track my time. And it's been uh, fascinating. I spend a lot of time researching, working for different clients. And it's fascinating seeing all that time being spent and where it's going. And uh, um, <laughs> are you able to bill for this time now that you're tracking? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's all billable time. But uh, I've also been marking like certain blocks if they're research, you know, like if I'm doom scrolling on Twitter, that's not getting tracked per se, except for by <laughs> Apple or Twitter and their advertisers. But, um, you know, when I'm, you know, like I was up until midnight the other night, I had to, to, to deploy some new kind of storage that I'd never deployed. And my daughter was wanting to stay up as well. And I was like, honey, I'm trying to learn about the storage before I need to set it up for my clients because I have to do this for my job. And I don't want to be up until midnight, but I really need to know a few more things. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so, you know, watching YouTube videos, doing research and like reading documents and, but yeah, I try and keep track of that. It's interesting because yeah, I do a lot of studying. I mean, we're as techies, we're interested yeah. by tech uh, and things change. So sometimes you have to dive into it. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times, you know, we, we are paid to, to RTFM, right. And, uh, and figure out how to <laughs> actually <laughs> set that up and, uh, I, I feel like sometimes uh, my college professors who literally were reading the book like the day before they were actually getting up in front of class and, and presenting the topic to us. And if I'd ask a question from the following chapter, they'd be like, no, 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 no. That's next week. Wait, just wait. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all doing our best these days to stay one step ahead and uh, to keep busy, keep working. And uh, it's not easy. And uh, trying to trying to keep up uh, with everything can be a challenge especially with children uh, maybe at home or children going to school and uh, 
So definitely a lot going on these days. And I find with all my uh, clients and workers, they're all sp- spread around everywhere. And so um, trying to keep keep up to date with them and have Zoom chats and, and uh, just try to not let them be suffering alone by themselves and uh, reach out to them so that you can find uh, what, what problems they need solving and uh, just staying in touch with people. It's a, it's a full-time job. Yep. I had a delivery uh, person come to the door and he uh, handed me two tiny little uh, boxes. And I was like, yay, my AirPods. I'm like, no, not my AirPods, uh, my HomePods. No, my HomePod minis. I don't know what they are. And he looks at me like, are they for you? I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then he's he's like, normally they would hand you something to sign. He's like, I'm just going to sign this for you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just like it, normally indecipherable if I was signing it. So yeah, I got, um, I ordered two of those HomePod minis. I wanted to order a million of oh, them. Nice. But yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's probably out of the, outside the budget. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but yeah, I ordered two of them, and uh, I thought we'll put one in every room, and then we'll use the intercom and talk to each other. And were you running between sides of the house to uh, hear yourself on the intercom? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's it's kind of it kind of cool. I mean, uh, I I just barely set uh, one up, and then I wanted to set another one up, and I'm not 100 percent sure of their all their capabilities, but once <clears throat> when I set one up, it um, basically said, "Yeah, well, it can recognize up to six people's uh, voices," and but it uh, can personalize the uh, the HomePod with your account, and uh, so you can ask it for an update. And it gave me like a you know like a little clip from CBC News, which is what I watch all the time. It's our local Canadian broadcast uh, news, and uh, so yeah, you can ask it questions. It can play music. It's the music wasn't like the sound. It was like. I have a couple of Sonos uh, pl- uh, speakers, and um, I didn't get the HomePods uh, um, because I thought they were just too expensive. But the Mini, I mean, it sounds great. It's super tiny. Um, so yeah, I'll have to to play with it a bit more. I want to see if how it can you know recognize people's voices. And but I was I was searching for uh, HomeKit names because it says what room is this in, and I put one in the back uh, where my wife, uh, you know, where Nelly likes to 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 knit and sew or work on stuff. But I couldn't find something that said you know sewing nook or something, so I probably just put picked the the default backyard. So in HomeKit, it's like <laughs> the HomePods in the backyard or something, just like random names, you know, it's like random like locations. But like Siri, how's my backyard doing? You know, it's like. <laughs> paging the backyard yeah paging the backyard what's the weather in the backyard <laughs> well that's cool I, i'll be excited to to hear uh more about the the home pod minis i i too am a sonos fan and and have made a heavy investment in sonos uh and uh, i've seen some of the workarounds for uh getting sound out from your laptop to uh the home pod minis but uh yeah it's it's one of those things where apple hamstrung these for reasons unknown yeah i don't know i haven't uh, seen what they can quite do yet but uh, you can't airplay to them right it's it's just the strangest thing you can see them uh in your home you know home kit home uh, home view or your home app whatever you want to call it i don't know how to and you can you can play music and it can show you everything you can do from there so you pretty much are airplaying to it you're almost remotely controlling it so um Mm. it's like airplay different but it's it it doesn't from like using it for like two minutes yeah you can easily play music on it no matter what you want um but yeah i mean sometimes when you get tricky uh things i mean and yeah it's hard hard to know exactly how these things are supposed to work so uh but uh, well, and Apple Apple collects data on how people are using them, and and you know, they will they will take away the features that you like. <laughs> 
I mean, we, the reason we got the Sonos uh, originally is because we were so enamored by AirPlay when it first came out, but then there was just no more AirPlay speakers. Like people just refused to make AirPlay for a while. Or the option was to have a Bluetooth, which was terrible because it was like, oh, this device is paired to your speaker and that's it. And you'd have to unpair and pair. And it was terrible. And so when Sonos came out with this Wi-Fi, you know, uh, or, you know, local LAN system, I thought it was it was pretty genius. And then the later models included AirPlay, which was even better. They are backed by commercial services. So occasionally, you know, like TuneIn or other places will just put ads or, right. you know, in in my public radio. And I'm like, my public radio doesn't have ads. Like, why is there ads? Like, yeah, nothing's perfect. Yeah. But the HomePod's cute and uh, it does sound great. So I <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's my update is a cute new uh, saying. And the intercom is cool. So, yeah, I mean, what I don't know what to say. You know, this world, we need something fun and cute and, and fun. And entertaining. <laughs> Finally, you have that something yeah. fun, and cute, and entertaining. So that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, other than that, you know, it's like other other words heard in this house this week were maybe we should start drinking again. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's coming from the girls, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm just excited to play with new Final Cut and uh, play with remote collaboration uh, tools and uh, see what kind of cool feedback people have from my DevOps talk and get the conversation going. Uh, well, good luck with your talk. I know it's recorded, but uh, still, good luck uh, with Every World uh, this week. Yeah, thanks to all the Every World uh to the team and uh, all the people working hard to make Every World and our world a better place. Thank you, everyone. If you want to sponsor the Mac DevOps podcast, uh, just give us a shout at hello at mdoyvr.com. We'll be accepting sponsorships for the podcast and for the next year's conference. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor, and Adigy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. I'm not uh, un unused to uh, sounding like an idiot, and I'm 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 comfortable with that.